All right, we are in the Gospel of Matthew, and we have been looking at the Gospel of Matthew through the themes that have been repeated over and over that are found uh, as a foundation of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, which is early in the Gospel. Last week we looked at the uh, hypocrisy of leadership uh, that Jesus talked about among the Pharisees, that's found among all religious leaders, uh, this do as I say, not as I do kind of attitude, and this arrogance and desire to have recognition rather than be a humble servant. Um, uh, so today we're going to look at uh, the first of two chapters. We're not going to get through chapter 24 completely. We're going to get through most of it. And then next week I'll look at the rest of 24 and uh, 25 because the end of 24 and 25 have several parables that are based on the teaching that's uh, going on here. So we're going to look at the signs of his coming uh, and we're going to enter a difficult yet popular area of theology, the events of the end times. Now you and I live between the ascension of our great high priest and the return of the Lord as king of the Jews and ruler over all the earth. These events are uh, behind the meanings of Advent, uh, which is really about both comings, which we recently observed. And the first and second comings of uh, the Lord are understood in Christianity and have a parallel in Judaism. Judaism's parallel is the suffering Messiah, Messiah ben Yosef, and then the reigning Messiah, uh, Messiah ben David, David. Uh, the son of David and the son of Joseph. You recall Joseph was the one who was rejected by his brothers and yet was the object of their redemption uh, in that terrible famine uh, in that context. And he became exalted among the Gentiles, among the Egyptians in that context. That, that notion of two messiahs found in Judaism parallels in some sense the two comings of Christianity uh, in Christianity. Now, both Judaism and Christianity see these personages and the events through darkened glasses and through different religious assumptions. And this has caused a confusion in Judaism with regard to Jesus or Yeshua so that they don't recognize him as the Messiah having come because he didn't match what the Messiah, son of David, is supposed to do. Um, but there's confusion in Christianity as well because they interpret him as reigning in heaven and not on the earth. And there we get, we get the amillennial uh, traditional view. Now I intend to do a full series on this because I've been asked by several of you for clarification on these issues. But in order to understand this chapter, I have to give a basic notion of that backdrop for this text. Um, we learned last week by a statement of Jesus uh, regarding Jerusalem that they would not see him again until they say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is clearly a focus on the Messiah, son of David, because after all, that's what the people yelled when he came into Jerusalem on that Passion Week. Baruch Abba, 
Bashem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, this notion was they were waiting for him to be the reigning Messiah, but he had come first as the suffering servant to address the sins of Jacob. We saw in a passage in chapter 22 where Jesus asked them about uh, David. How does he call the Messiah Lord if he's the son of David? (coughs) And I drew you back (coughs) to Psalm 110 where that statement is made, sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord said to my Lord. But in that same uh, psalm is the statement, you are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus was asking them to look at that psalm and realize that there are two different things going on. One is the removal of Jacob's sin, which requires a day of atonement and a high priest. And the other one, which requires the reigning king. And until the sin is removed, the reigning of the king will not take place. But they didn't get it. So we're going to look at this because his disciples are going to be somewhat confused as well. So let me give you the pattern. In the ancient world, the common pattern was for the king to promise his son a kingdom. The father would set his son at his side. He would send his armies to defeat the location that would soon become the son's kingdom. When the son received the kingdom, he would also receive a bride. So Jesus came, this time not as a king, but as a servant. And the prophecy regarding his identity as the son of David, are plenteous throughout the Gospels, so it's understandable that the Jews would expect the reigning Messiah, and the Jewish people saw him in that context, but the leadership rejected him. When he did not fulfill the Davidic promises, Judaism decided he must not be the one, and so they missed the ministry as the high priest and the atonement that he was making. Christianity also missed this and moved to his reigning, placing the kingdom in heaven rather than on earth. So Jesus is now for the church, King of kings and Lord of lords, in fulfillment of all that. He is sitting on his Father's throne. But Jesus isn't prophesied to sit on his Father's throne. He's prophesied to sit on the throne of his father, David. And rule over Jacob. And that has not been fulfilled. So here both the theology of Israel. And the theology of the church. Have misconstrued these things. And and missed the point. And I think it's been a large reason. Why uh, the synagogue and the uh, church. Have not uh, gotten along. It's not the only reason. uh, But we need to see that. In this context. So Jesus ascended as our great high priest after the order of Melchizedek, making full atonement for our sins on the cross. And he entered into the temple, not the earthly one. He was not a Levitical priest. He was a heavenly priest. He entered into the temple not made with hands in the heaven and provided atonement for those who trust in that sacrifice. 
that promise is to the Jew first and also the Gentiles. Now the scriptures tell us several times in the New Testament that God the Father said to Jesus, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So Jesus now waits for the Father to complete the process on earth. And then Jesus will return to receive the kingdom of Israel. He will rule the nations with a rod of iron. The Torah shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. As we say, the nations, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, which Isaiah prophesies will take place. At that time, he will sit on the throne of his father David and the marriage supper of the Lamb will occur. Not in heaven, but on earth. So with that understanding, I want us to look at chapter 24 of Matthew. Uh, And you will see that Jesus is trying to help them understand this delay and then his coming. So in chapter 24, verse 1 says, Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came out to point the temple building to him. And he said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left on another which is not torn down. So they're showing Jesus uh, the, uh, uh, the temple. The temple was still under construction at that time. Uh, it would just get finished before it gets destroyed. And they're pointing out all of this to Jesus. And Jesus says, not one stone is going to be left on a stone. So in verse 3 it says, he was sitting on the Mount of Olives. That's across from the Temple Mount where they could see the temple. And the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will these things happen? Meaning, when will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming? That is, your coming into the fullness of the kingdom as the son of David and of the end of the age. They are asking three things. When will this temple be destroyed? When will you enter into the kingdom and return? In that sense because he hadn't ascended yet. (coughs) And finally, the end of the age. In other words, when will the Messianic kingdom take place? So, Jesus is now going to uh, answer them. And we see those in verses uh, uh, 4 through 8. Jesus said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not the end. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and in various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but all these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Now I want you to understand something. These are not the signs of his coming. We hear it all the time. Oh, there are going to be earthquakes, there are going to be wars. There have been earthquakes and wars uh, since Babel. Jesus says these are just labor pains. And women who have had labor pains know that there are labor pains and labor pains. There are the labor pains that are just part of the process. And then there are labor pains that mean the birth is imminent. He's saying these are the beginning of the birth pains. Okay? And so... This is not the signs. He's telling them, 
Don't listen to people who say, Jesus is the Christ, and then deceive people. He's not talking about people who are claiming to be Christ. He'll talk about that later. These people are claiming Jesus is the Christ. They're the prophecy buffs. And they're going to tell you all the sequences of how this is going to work. And he says, don't listen to them. Okay? Now, he then is going to give them the signs. Beginning in verse 9. In verse 9 he says, Then they will deliver you to tribulation. And will kill you, and you will be hated of all nations for my name. And at that time, many will fall away, and will betray one another, and hate one another. False prophets will arise and mislead many. And because Torahlessness, or lawlessness, is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to the nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus now spells out three major things that will be the culmination of the end. One, there has to be a great tribulation. He's going to give more detail of that. And in that tribulation... Jews and Christians who hold to the word of God and the testimony of Jesus are going to suffer for his namesake. And that suffering will be great. And we'll see that in a minute. Now, because of that, that persecution, a lot of people are going to give up on their faith. Because they didn't buy into that. And there will be false prophets that will tell you that you're okay You don't need to worry about this. It's okay to give up on that faith. Uh, You know. And there will be a falling away. In the falling away. This apostasy. This leaving of the faith. Brother will betray brother to death. People will turn each other in. People will turn from the faith. And turn in those who are of the faith. And because Torah is ignored, and it's all about feeling and saying magic words, then what's going to happen is, the love of many will wax cold. Because after all, what are the commandments of the Torah? You shall love the Lord your God with all your mind, with all your life, and all your strength, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The Torah are commandments of love. Those who reject The commandments reject love and substitute emotional feeling for love. And that's always based on what you can get from the other person, not what you can give to them, which is biblical love. So those two signs are two of the signs. The third sign, Jesus says, this gospel of the kingdom. Notice he says it that way. This gospel of the kingdom. Not not this gospel of salvation. It is a gospel of salvation. But it's a gospel of the kingdom. That the kingdom is coming. Remember what Jesus and the apostles said to everybody. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The gospel is the good news that Jesus has removed our sin to bring us into the kingdom. Not take us to heaven when we die. And so this focus is on the kingdom to come. Those are the signs. 
There will be a terrible persecution. There will be a large falling away. But the gospel will be proclaimed as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Now, by the way, I want you to know that Paul uh, tells us the same thing. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle says, We request, brethren, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. So this is the second coming, right? That you be not quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by a spirit or a message or a letter as from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For it will not come unless the apostasy, that's the falling away, comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. This one opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. (coughs) Now, he ultimately says, this one will be destroyed by the Lord's coming. So we have the falling away, we have the revealing of the what we call the Antichrist, and it will be that one who is persecuting Jews and Christians in that tribulation period. So this Paul and Jesus are on the same page here, <coughs> though a lot of Christians are not. So Jesus says uh, that this One is going to come, and so we want to pick this up in uh, Matthew 24, verse 15. Now, I want you to see that Jesus has just done something that's very Jewish. He gave a whole story. This will happen, this will happen, this will happen, then the end will come. Well, then we're at the end. No, we're not at the end. He's going to back up and zero in. This is just like Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Genesis 1 gives us all the way to the seventh day. And then Genesis chapter 2 zeroes in and gives us the details of the creation of man. Genesis 1 says that God created man in his image, but it doesn't give the details. It's very Jewish to tell the story, then come back and fill in the details. It's very American to run on with the details, and then you forget the story. Pretty soon you go, what are we talking about? Because we've been chasing rabbits. So Jesus is now going to focus them on what they should look at in this scenario. Three things are going to happen. A great persecution, a great falling away, and the presentation of the gospel to all nations. So what are we looking for? He's going to tell us. Based on uh, what he says, Paul makes the statement that we just read. Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet... Standing in the holy place. Remember what Paul says? He was going to stand in the temple claiming to be God. Let him, let the reader understand. <coughs> then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. If you're in the housetop, you must not go down and get things that are in the house. Whoever's in the field must not go back for his cloak. Woe to those who are pregnant, those who are nursing. And pray that your flight is not in winter or on the Sabbath. Now I want you to catch this. I've been in Israel, in Jerusalem, in the winter, 
on the Sabbath. And they get rain the way we get. You know that song, it never rains in Southern California, but it pours, right? When we get it, we get it rough. They get the same thing. I went there and it was raining cats and dogs. It wasn't really cats and dogs, and I didn't step on a poodle. So, you know, the idea was it was raining really bad. Uh, and therefore, roads were, were not available, and it was hard to get out. I've also tried to leave Israel on the Shabbat, and that's very difficult too, because everything is shut down, right? So Jesus says, uh, when this happens this abomination of desolation, we know something. We know that there will be a temple because this guy has to walk into the temple, right? We know that they will be observing Shabbat in Jerusalem. Which wasn't true for a lot of years. Many centuries. But in our lifetime, is possible. Okay? We are nearer now than when we first believed. Now, uh, the idea here is, he says, when this happens, if you're in Judea, get out of town. Okay? In other words, the persecution, the problem is going to begin in Jerusalem. And it is going to then go from there throughout the world. And therefore, you don't want to be at ground zero when it happens. And that's what Jesus is warning. He's not saying leave town if you're in New York. He's not saying leave town if you're in Los Angeles. He's saying if you're in Judea, you get out of there and you get out now. You don't go back to the house to get anything. You don't go back to get your coat. You just get out of there. And you better pray that you're not nursing a child or pregnant or it's in the winter or on the Sabbath, because anything that impedes your getting out is going to threaten your life. Okay? With me? So, now this statement is based on Daniel chapter 9, verse 26 and 27. So I want you to look there really quickly. These are where the words abomination of desolation uh, come from. In verse 26, talking about the 70 weeks, and we'll get into that when we do the series. He says, after 62 weeks, the Messiah will die. That's what the Hebrew says. He'll be cut off. He'll die. And have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. And its end will come with a flood, even to the end there will be war, desolations are determined. Then he says, and he, this one, will confirm a covenant with many for one week, interpreted by many as seven years. And in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to the sacrifice and grain offering, and on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate. Even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed is poured out on the one who makes desolate. So this one who is an abomination, abominations are always a violation of holiness, 
Idols are an abomination. And that's the idea that this one will manifest himself as the false Christ, the false Messiah, a military leader who is going to rule Israel and he is going to call himself God and that is going to reveal to those who are the elect that we're, we're at that end time. And he will do everything to expunge believers from the earth. So I want you to go back to Matthew 24 and we'll pick up at, at, uh, at that point. Verse 21, for then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Now, think about that. This tribulation, this persecution is going to be the worst one the world has ever had, which means it's worse than the children at the time of Moses. It's worse than the children at the time of Jesus. It's worse than the persecution under Nebuchadnezzar. It's worse than the Holocaust in terms of its persecution. And he says, unless those days should be cut short, no life would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Now the scriptures indicate that this period is approximately three and a half years. But it does it in days, and it does it in months, and it does it in years, and they're all a little off. So that you can't quite be sure when it will end. What we're told is, God will cut it short, because if He didn't, this persecution would wipe every living believer off the earth. Now he goes on and says... During this time, verse 23, that word then means in that time. If anyone says to you, behold, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe him. Because now false Christs and false prophets will arise, and they will show great signs and wonders. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to, they're going to bring food to people. They're going to do all of that. So that if it were possible, they might deceive the very elect. Behold, I've told you in advance. So Jesus is saying, when these people come and say, I'm the second coming of Christ, and here's my proof, my miracles, you're not following the miracles. This is exactly what God said in the Torah. God said in the Torah, if somebody comes and works a miracle, and he says a prophecy, and it comes to pass, and then he tells you false doctrine, you're not to trust him. Miracles don't prove the prophecy. The prophecy establishes the miracle. Be careful of that. We have a whole theological realm that thinks that signs and wonders are the proof. And the word of God is the proof. So, he says, If they say to you, he is in the wilderness, do not go there. If they say to you, he is in the inner rooms, don't believe them. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west... So will the coming of the Son of Man be, wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will be gathered. Now, I love this passage. I want you to catch what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, if they tell you he's out in the, 
the desert. Jesus has come and we have to go out there and meet him. Don't go. If they tell you, hey, we have a hidden place where he is and uh, Jesus is coming, he's secretly come, right? Don't believe him. Because as the lightning shines out of the east and goes to the west and everybody can see it, it'll be public. And when a corpse is there, everybody knows there's a corpse there because the vultures are flying around it. In other words, this will be obvious. It will not be secret. Be very careful of doctrines of secret comings of Jesus. They violate the scripture. Now, in verse... uh, Uh, Let me see. Verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Notice all those things are happening during the tribulation. The false teachers and the false miracles and all that. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky... And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with great power and great glory. And he will send forth his angels with a great trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. Now I want you to catch this. Jesus says when that tribulation is over, (coughs) those days are cut short. The sun will turn to darkness. The moon will turn to blood. The stars will heaven. And the, and the earth will be shaken. That's pretty public. These passages are found in Revelation. They're found in the Gospels. They're found in the Prophets. This is one of the most common statements about the sun turning to darkness, the moon turning to blood, the stars happening. It's going to be a cosmic, literal thing. And then they will see... The sign of the Son of Man coming. He's coming visibly. And He's bringing our loved ones with Him. And the dead in Christ shall rise first because He'll send the sound of a great shofar. The dead will rise and He will gather us from all the skies. And He's not then going to take us to heaven. He's going to set foot on the Mount of Olives To establish the kingdom. And we will be with him. Talk about that more in the series. We've got some really bizarre theology. uh, That's going around. So it's pretty clear. That this is a physical literal. Thing not a disappearing act. By a bunch of Christians. Now the most misunderstood. Text in this chapter. Verse 32. Jesus says. Now learn the parable of the fig tree. When its branches are already tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, what he's been talking about, recognize that he is near right at the door. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. Pass away. Now, I want you to catch something here. Jesus says, I want you to learn the parable of the fig tree. 
And he says, you know, because they're an agricultural group. There's a certain period of time when the fig tree puts forth its leaves. And you know that when it puts forth its leaves, summer's near. Okay? So Jesus says, in the same way, when you see this great tribulation, and the falling away, and the abomination of desolation, and the false prophecies, and the persecution, you know I'm right at the door. But that's not how it shows up in the commentaries. In the commentaries, this is how it's done. The fig tree is Israel. And Israel had to become a nation. And so the generation that saw Israel become a nation can't pass away till everything has to happen. Now there is a place where Israel is called a fig tree. There are also places where it's called an olive tree. It's not talking about Israel. He's talking to Israel, but not about Israel. Jesus is saying, it would be like me saying, you know when the sun is over the ocean in California, evening is near. So when you see this happen, know that something else is going to happen. And you go, what does he mean by sunset? Right? They just don't get it. They want to find hidden meanings in all of this, and he's plainly telling us what's going to happen. It's going to be a rough time. There's going to be a persecution. There's going to be an abomination of desolation. The gospel will be proclaimed. But he that endures to the end will be saved. Now, how can you endure? If you believe that you won't suffer, you're not going to endure. If you believe that you're not going to be here, you won't endure. If you have false theologies about what, how God does things, you're going to be those who fall away. And so he's telling us plain what this is. This is one of the reasons one of the prophets said, Why are you wanting the day of the Lord? Because it's going to be rough. Now when I was a kid, teenager, we wanted the day of the Lord to come quickly. We wanted it really quick. And except we wanted it to be right after we got married. Because we wanted that first, right? And then, and then the Lord could come. Right? The reality is, many of us long for the Lord to come. We say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. What we really want is to be with the Lord. We don't really want to go through the stuff. Right? It's like somebody who's facing a surgery. They don't, they're not looking forward to the surgery. They're looking forward to the other side. Right? That's really what it is. But the danger here is to believe that the road to the other side is paved with whipped cream and marshmallows. And it isn't. And therefore, we must strengthen ourselves in the faith. We must strengthen our households in the faith. We must strengthen our children in the faith and our grandchildren in the faith because we don't know if we're the generation that will see all these things. But if we're not, there's one coming after us and they will need our development and our spiritual uh, wisdom to be passed on to them so that they're ready for this. Because he that endures to the end shall be saved. 
Now Jesus is going to pick up from here, and I'm not going to go any further. He's going to pick up from here and say, nobody knows the time, nobody knows the day, nobody knows the hour. That's why he's, I'm giving you things to look for, because you're not going to be able to figure out a timing. And then he's going to give them several parables about the kingdom that we'll look at next week. So, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be done.